All right, welcome to episode one of the Positive Majority Podcast for Sustaining Life on Earth. We have Aaron Handelsman. He is a coach and a trainer for creative people that are out to make a social impact in the world. Aaron, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us here today. It's great to be with you. Welcome to the show. So we're going to go over meditation. Today, that's going to be the topic. I know that you just came back home from a 10-day Vipassana meditation where that's all you did. So we're going to get to that. I'm excited to hear about that. But, uh, you know, first and foremost, I just wanted to kind of give everyone at home a little brief history on how we met. So we met at a sustainability conference at, what was it, Wayne State University. It was the Southeast Michigan Sustainable Business Forum which we decided was not a very sustainable name. (laughs) (laughs) But a good forum. But a good forum. And what were you doing there? I gave the the opening remarks uh, for the conference. My friend Mike Shesterkin was the organizer of the conference, and he asked me to kind of kick it off with some words of inspiration and possibility. And so I came and... um, and and delivered you did deliver and the funny thing is is as soon as i heard you speak i knew exactly why i needed to be at the conference Mm. positive majority sponsored the conference and i was like huh i've never been to a sustainability conference i don't know how these things go and you said the words co-creator out of your mouth and i was like this is the reason i'm here this is the person i need to speak with so after you know we took like our first break i ran right up to aaron and i just was like hey i need to meet you i need to talk to you and you know we exchanged information and it just so happened that we lived what two blocks away block and a half away from each other so it was synchronicity working it's beautiful magic and you know since that day we've become good friends and we've realized that in so many weird ways, like anything that happens to one of us seems to also be happening. <laughs> we're on mirroring paths of yeah. each other, which is kind of nice to yeah. know that we're not alone going through these crazy trials, <clears throat> tribulations, good times, bad times, all the fun stuff. But uh, it's been awesome. So let's talk about your meditation practice. Um, you know, what's your history with meditation? Do you have a practice? How did you get into meditation? Yeah, so I had I had a meditation practice prior to going. I'm not sure how and when I began initially. I think I think maybe about three, three and a half years ago I started meditating on a pretty regular basis. Um, and I got turned on to the Insight Meditation Timer app, okay. uh, which is a free app you can download on your phone. And they have like guided meditations as well as just a timer with a nice gong sound. Um, and I think, you know, for the first year I was probably meditating 15 minutes a day, maybe five, four or five times a week. Um, the last two years probably I've been pretty diligent about having um, 15 to 20 minutes of meditation be part of my morning routine. Um, I'm somebody who historically really balks at structure and routine, but I've also found that having um, some inviolable time for myself every morning that sets me up to do all the things um, that like that really feed me and energize me and get me inspired is critical to being able to do the work um, that I'm out to do in the world, and meditation has become part of that um, non-negotiable two to three hours each morning. Um, So when I went to the Vipassana retreat, 
I had been, yeah, for at least the last two years for sure, meditating every morning for um, probably 15 to 20 minutes, sometimes guided, sometimes just a silent meditation. Um, and I had been, when I left, I was really into um, studying self-compassion and, and like these um, various techniques developed by like Kristen Neff or um, there's another teacher named Sarah Blondin, really about like meditating on um, being kind to oneself um, as part of, you know, my own goal of being able to be a source of unconditional love to everybody that I come into contact with and knowing that I can't really do that if I'm not first providing <laughs> that to myself. First. Um, and I think I, as well as, as many people, you know, we might be really good at, at extending that, that generosity and compassion and understanding to others, but really struggle sometimes when it comes to um, ourselves. Giving it to ourselves. And so that had been my, um, that had been my focus for the, the past few months. Um, and I was eager to deepen that with the Vipassana retreat, and that is not <laughs> what, oh, what that man. was about. I'm excited to hear about this. <laughs> so my own personal joy, before we go into 10 days of just sitting there and, you know, <laughs> digging deep and peeling back the layers of your onion, my personal journey with meditation has been, I think I started to think about it and learn about it in 2009 in 2012 i did a 21 day like personal home retreat with uh you know what's my man's name very famous author not Deepak. Deepak. It's Deepak. definitely it Deepak. Deepak. Come on, everyone starts Deepak with Deepak Chopra. Chopra. And I did it 21 day, and I was living in Corktown, so I did it on my roof in the summertime, so I got to do it in the sun, and it was really engaging, because um, I would wake up at 7 a.m., get on the roof, be in the sun, meditate, and like that's where I started. But it didn't become a, a daily practice until you know this past year. I really hunkered mm-hmm. down and really cut out time in my schedule. I do 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes at night, and it's been really centering. You know, it's a great way to start your day, great way to end your day, to kind of just wash away, you know, the day, any ups, downs, and things like that. And I've been out, and people have been asking me about my personal practice and what I hear all the time. If you just listen, when people ask you about it, they say, I can't, and then dot, dot, dot. And I'm trying to like change that mentality in people because if you say, if you start with the words, I can't, then you're right. Right. (laughs) You can't. But, uh, you know, there's no magic pill when it comes to meditation. I just tell people to sit down, you know, close your eyes and, you know, let the thoughts pass. You know, there's going to be a lot of them. You know, it's not going to be a perfect situation. Um, but I, want, I hope people are listening to this and they decide to, you know, sit down for five minutes tonight and try it and get into it. All right. So what led you to going on a full 10-day Vipassana retreat? Yeah, well, so two things. Just to um, build on what you were saying, oh, you know, okay. I, th- I think a lot of people think that they are doing it wrong because they have thoughts, right? It's like they think that they're supposed to just sit down for the first time and have a totally quiet mind, and if they don't, then they're failing. And 
you know what I've, I've I've listened to a lot of other teachers and trainers. I've I've done a twenty one day Deepak <laughs> uh, run before, and I like Pema Chodron and um, um, Tara Brock and others. And like what they all say, you know, these are people who've spent some of them decades in ashrams. Pema Chodron is a Tibetan monk. And she even talks about, you know, she's been doing this for decades. And sometimes she'll sit down for an hour and have two minutes of awareness, you know. So it's like getting that it's not actually about trying to make ourselves feel better or achieve some perfect state, but to learn how to be compassionate with and, and accepting and non-judgmental of whatever is happening. Um, and allowing, you know, allowing, allowing your thoughts to come and review those thoughts mm-hmm. and pass. Although not in Vipassana, not <laughs> to review that. Oh um, man! So the last thing I wanted to say before answering your question is that I realized from your answer that, and this occurred to me during Vipassana, is that um, actually my mom, in a way, introduced me to meditation when I was like ten or eleven. Um, she was. she was doing um, energy medicine and like taught me how to center uh, my energy and and scan my body and it was pretty wild for me to realize and I I did that on a regular basis as like a 11 year old Um, and thanks mom thanks mom yeah Um, and that's almost exactly what I ended up doing for these last 10 days so Full circle huh yeah it was pretty wild um so what got me to go i had been interested in the retreat for um a number of years some people who are close to me um there are probably three people in my life who um well more than that subsequently but there are three people who i had talked to on a number of occasions who had said they had really powerful experiences people i admire and and, and love a lot and um so I, ever, ever since I had heard them talk about it, my interest was piqued. And, you know, when I was working in old jobs, I never really had time or space or ability to do that. Now running my own business, I have a little bit more flexibility. Um, although it felt absolutely like the worst time to go, right? I was like, "There's this is an insane idea to actually <laughs> go away for 10 days right now. Um, but I did it anyway. And... It was actually prompted by um, a buddy of mine mentioned it um, in passing that he was thinking of doing it. And I thought, you know what? Now or never. I'm just doing it. And I just right then I went online, I filled out the application, and I registered for this retreat that was, you know, there was one close by over Christmas, but I chose to do one over Thanksgiving that was about eight hours away in the middle of nowhere, Illinois. And, um, and yeah i really didn't know what to expect good what were your initial expectations what did you think going into a 10-day retreat was going to happen and then kind of you know warm us up into you know how it all went down yeah so i think you know a lot so they warn you beforehand you have to fill out an application process and it's it's like pretty involved um and they're very clear in the application like this is not a rest and relaxation retreat you are signing up for work work and it's not going to be it's not going to be like relaxing it's going to be hard work um so I knew that that's what I was getting into 
I knew that there was no <clears throat> exercise allowed, no writing or reading or journaling allowed, and no speaking. Um, no, I didn't know that we were also not allowed to make eye contact with anybody. With anyone? You had to look at the ground? <clears throat> You're not supposed to look at anybody, anybody? in the eyes. Not no. even like the, the people that are you know, leading? So you have... What I ended up finding out is during the lunch break, um, you can sign up for an interview with the teacher where you get like maximum like five to ten minutes where you can ask questions about what's going on or share what's going on and, and he'll answer and you can look at him. Um, but that's it. So I mean, over the course of ten days, I probably spoke for a total of five to ten minutes. I saw him three different times. And only looked at him. Um, I, I and I was committed to doing it exactly as designed. Right. That was like my thing. I was like, I'm no question. I'm Follow completing, but I'm structure. gonna do it exactly as designed because I want, you know, I want to experience it on its terms. Um, so that was a surprise that I wasn't expecting, and I knew also that it was like very regulated, strict structure. Um, and I guess my expectation for myself was that I would. Um, you know, deepen and expand my meditation practice, you know, um, put in that time. I had hoped that I might um, gain some new insights. And also I knew that it's like, a, that it was a body oriented practice. And a lot of the work that I've been doing, you know, internal work, like part of my work as a coach, right, is supporting other people, but I can only support other people to go as far as, you know, in some ways, like I've developed my own awareness right. and worked through my stuff. So I'm constantly doing that. And, um, this year has been a lot about working through like trauma and early childhood stuff and, um, body things have come up, like the awareness that, um, you know, most of my life I walked around never even feeling a, that I had a body. I couldn't actually feel my body it was like I was living in my head or somewhere outside of my my body and so I had hoped that this experience might help bring my mind or myself also back to into my body and the mind body get some integration going okay um so that was really the extent of my expectation, expectation. okay um, and I thought I might see some cool things right. like way. go a little bit deep into like some transcendental you know out of body experience things like that that happen you know from time to time if you're really in deep meditation okay so those are good expectations uh-huh. all right so now day one you show up <laughs> and what do we got what do you do when you show up to a 10-day retreat where you can't speak you can't write you can't read no eye contact you know yeah so day one they have it um when you get there, it was check-in between 3 and 5 p.m., I think, um, and I drove a couple of people, so we arrived. They have you register in the dining hall, check into your dorm. You have a dorm, basically, like your own small room. There's like a, It's like a mini apartment, like a bathroom and two very small bedrooms and a, a sink, a shared sink. Um, and uh, so there's like this hall where everybody stays and it's everything is segregated gender wise um which is interesting because it's like pretty um i would say a a critique is that it's like pretty trans exclusionary like i don't know how they would handle 
somebody who didn't necessarily identify with the gender binary or right. um, and uh, or or was trans. Um, but yeah, you basically you check in, you register, and then they send you like men over on this side, women over on this side. You're allowed to talk with people who are there until the evening, and then there's um, a sort of orientation, a quick orientation. That's like here's what you're getting into. Um, do they check you into your dorm? I think we had um, dinner. And then we meditated for a couple of hours and went to bed and it was like, okay, your, your full day starts 4.30 tomorrow with a, a meditation. Be there at 4.30 until 6.30 a.m. And uh, then you're going to meditate for an additional eight hours that day. Wow. <laughs> so it's, it's a solid 10 hours solid of 10 hours. meditation. So during this meditation, is any of it guided? Is there any music? Are you in complete silence? Mm-hmm. So the um, no music, um, there's instruction from one day to the next, mostly provided not by the teacher but there are these audio and video recordings by um this man named uh sk go i think it's sk uh goenka who is a burmese man who sort of inherited the tradition of vipassana which was the buddha's teaching right. of 2500 year old exactly oldest meditative tradition in the world yes so this is the technique that that Gautama, the Buddha, like, developed as his practice for attaining total enlightenment, and it's totally body-based. And so for the first three days, you're introduced to a technique called anapana, which is, um, like, mindful awareness, basically, and it's kind of funny. This sounds silly, but is truly what happens is the first three days you are taught to pay attention to only your nose and upper lip and feel the breath going in and out and any other sensations that are happening around your nostrils and your upper lip and that is it. So it's very focused. <clears throat> Hyper Extremely focused. focused. So the, those first three days are there to teach you how to notice and pick up on sensations that you normally don't. And the, the theory or the, the reality is that your body, all parts of your body are constantly feeling sensation. And even when you're sleeping, there's part of your brain that is aware of what's happening in your body at all times. Um, the unconscious mind is constantly maintaining this connection, right? Which is why, like, you know, if something somebody started touching you in your sleep you would wake up like that awareness is ever present awareness of the body um but most of the time we're totally unconscious of it um and so this practice of anapana is designed to start sharpening the mind the mind's ability to focus on those sensations that are ever present but rarely felt and um you so yeah you get a quick intro to those that practice by Gwenka, a recording, um, and then your your eyes are closed and you're in silence for, you know, they're basically it's it's set up differently, but there are basically, you know, five to eight, one to two hour meditation blocks throughout each day, and um, with little like 
10 to 15 minute breaks in between and okay. then like a 45 minutes for breakfast an hour for lunch so in those first three days so let's chunk it down for people listening at home those first three days what was the hardest part of sitting there and then i guess what was the most surprising thing of your focus on just the tip of your nose and like what were you like <clears throat> oh my goodness yeah so the first you know i mean pain was part of it pain. you know like yeah I've what never, kind of pain um like so i've always had it where i can't sit for more than 20 minutes without my eight legs falling asleep and that totally happened and so, but then i'm there for actually 90 minutes so it's like my leg is totally falling asleep i got the pins and needles it's getting i'm like are they gonna have to amputate me you know like <laughs> what's gonna happen oh, I've never said that. and the whole thing is like you're not supposed to move the first three days they you can move and adjust um <clears throat> so that was part of it is just sitting sitting totally still for 90 minutes especially if you don't have practice doing that is um is not chill and it's not relaxing it's, <laughs> it's, it's physically taxing yeah um so that was one thing, but they're not strict about, like, you can do whatever you need to do. And over the course of the three days, I learned how to, like, bolster, you know, my legs Blood so flow. that I, I could, yeah, my legs didn't fall asleep. Um, a surprising thing that happened was that I learned to sit for, you know, within, maybe it took four days, but, you know, I went from not being able to sit still for 30 minutes to, you know, by the end I was sitting completely still without moving or adjusting anything for two hours uh, which i did not think i was capable of um so that was one thing the first three days for me and everybody is different and they you know they really encourage you like not to compare experiences because everybody has a different experience but for me i had this like massive flood of memory it was like i relived my entire life Um, I mean, every relationship I've ever been in, you know, some random events here and there, but like, it was as though I experienced years all over again, pretty nuts. Um, and then the other thing was, um, man, I had some of the craziest like images come to my mind. And I talked to people afterwards. Nobody else had this experience that I talked with. But I saw some wild, wild stuff. Uh, With your eyes closed? With my eyes closed. But it was like uh, a movie, like a surreal film. And not not like narrative. Like it wasn't like everything connected. It would just be like, boom, here's an image of like, you know, a background of liquid tar and the camera is at the top looking down into this like lake of liquid tar and suspended in air in space is like the cross section of an apple right and then the apple drops away and the seeds of the apple in a star formation like shoot up towards the camera and like that's just happening in 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 outer space in my brain (laughs) (laughs) dude the visualization of that what does it all mean i don't know that's awesome so that's but the thing about it that was so tricky is that like and this is a thing that i was not expecting which is um you're not supposed to entertain any thoughts or images or anything and um a thing that was really challenging for me is um you know the the design is really like purely you like all you're ever supposed to do is 
sharpen your awareness of the body sensation that is happening, which you can do by returning to the breath if you need to, but you're really just focusing on that part of your upper lip and your nostrils um, and being equanimous, right, or non-reactive and balanced. There's, It's not permitted, like it's not part of the technique to talk to yourself, right, to like reassure yourself, to comfort yourself, to pray, to have any sort of connection with like a higher power or anything like that. Wow. And, um, you know, those are things that I use in my daily, daily life. Daily meditation, to I like, do too, to like anchor yourself down, ground yourself down, get back into the flow exactly, as well. To get back, exactly. Even counting breaths, you're not supposed to do. Like they're explicit. Like wow. don't count your None of the anchors that most of us have learned through our other meditation techniques are permitted. So all you're supposed to do is just keep coming back to the breath, which it turns out is um, really, really, really hard to do. And so it um, it really brought out my um, my like perfectionist and like competitive and like not very self-compassionate side in part because to do the technique as it was designed meant not inviting in those practices of self-compassion that I know (laughs) and so all I was left with is this kind of like jerky ego telling me I'm doing it wrong and then me trying to not react to that and remember to come back to my breath but but every time I do that, then this like crazy movie starts playing in my brain. <laughs> and then I'm trying to say, you need to pause and let me come back to the breath. Um, so it was, so that's what the first three so days were So the first like. three days were that kind of cycle, <laughs> huh? Like yeah. ego, breath, crazy movie. All right. That uh-huh. is awesome. That That is great. All right. So after day three, take us through the next few days. Yeah, um, so on, on day two, one of the guys left, actually. Like he was done, he, just he was tapped done. out, yeah, I just, huh? I saw him walking away with his suitcase. And, yeah. Wow. Um, but out of 50 people, only two left during the course, um, which I thought was a pretty That's good a retention pretty good rate. Number. Um, so, um, I wonder if that guy had any previous like practice or if he just kind of like jumped in. He was a meditator. He was. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I think in some ways that's actually almost more challenging because if you're attached to your way of your meditating, practice. it's going to be that much more that attachment to anything your religion, you know, your you know, your belief system, your way of doing things, that's hard for all humans, you totally. know. We get attached to all kinds of things, people, places, routines, and it's hard to let go of everything we know to do you know whether it's good or bad yeah and that's what the one thing i forgot to mention is that each night including during those first three days there's what they call the discourse which is this like video recording of goenka basically breaking down the eightfold path and the four noble truths and aspects of the technique of suffering yeah and so like that's what you're introduced to on the first day is like we generate our own suffering through constant craving and constant aversion right so it's like i'm either i'm either wishing that something that i had something that i don't have and thereby not being present to an equanimous with the current moment or um 
there's something that's here and I don't like it and I'm rejecting it. I'm feeling aversion. Or you get it and you lose it. Exactly. And I suffer some more from losing, <laughs> getting what I wanted. Exactly. And so then you see, right, how that manifests with the process of sitting because what you want is to do it right. <laughs> right? Like right. I'm sitting there and I'm like, I sure hope I'm doing it right. And it's like, oh no, don't don't get attached to that. I'm right. creating suffering. Uh, and so so you have these hour long discourses and um and those ideas are are expanded upon. Um which was really helpful and interesting. I actually some of my friends really didn't like them, but I I found them um engaging i think he was a really good teacher and clear and straightforward um and i guess i was i was surprised in a way at how um a spiritual it was right like it's just purely it's just totally like the science of the mind and body like that's what is constantly reinforced is like there's no element of faith here there's no no element of dogma it's all just about the science of body mind and matter um, really kind of like presaging, you know, current thinkings in physics and psychology, right? Like right. we're wavelets and everything is passing. Nothing is solid. Nothing yeah. is real. And this is 2,500 <laughs> years old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty amazing. So on day four, day four, um, everybody said day four was like this major turning point day for them. Day four is when you, you get vipassana which is the like instruction in uh basically body scanning and so after you've spent three days with anapana and focusing on learning how to sharpen your mind to focus on one very specific area which is arbitrary and just to keep you focused you learn vipassana which is um the practice of well i mean there are several parts right and in the discourses they break down the three elements which are um shila Samadhi and Panya, which is morality, and that's like the sort of the four noble or the eightfold path sort right. of breaks that down. Samadhi is control of the mind. That's what the meditation process is about, and Panya is wisdom, um, which you know the idea is each feeds into the yeah, other yeah, and they're interconnected. So then, with vipassana, it's this process of expanding samadhi or control of the mind, uh, purification of the mind. Um, by beginning to focus on the top of your head, feeling sensation there, and just slowly scanning downwards every single part of your body to feel whatever sensation is there. And sometimes there are like blank spots or numb spots or pain or whatever, and your only job is to is to stay with a spot basically until you can feel it, um, and and keep scanning over and over until or you I mean you start at the top. You try to work your way all the way down to your feet and then you do it over again um, for, you know, one to two hours. But for those first, at least in my experience, I mean, I think the first couple of sits where we got that, I maybe got through like one body scan because my mind was still just running buck wild (laughs) gummy bears bouncing here and there and everywhere yeah 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 and so that's then the process basically of 
day four through ten with some slight like additional additional insights so you're doing body scanning you know trying to be very focused on each individual part of the body starting from the top of the head down to the bottom of the feet for hours while also practicing this state of both the aware so that's awareness yeah but then also bringing in equanimity which is right like just this sort of balanced non-reactive state so what you might be being aware of is like geez my left hip is killing me right now like it hurts really bad um or my left knee which both were true for me (laughs) um and then not reacting to it and just you know practicing saying like okay that's pain I i accept it except not saying it <laughs> but just trying to be that to acceptance because wow. you're not actually supposed to be see, talking yourself see, you're not saying it. in your head i accept this pain you're just saying nothing mm. yep <laughs> <laughs> exactly wow man just a maybe a slight smile on your lips at all times that's great trying to uh, just be with whatever arises without reaction and um and that's that's also not easy because you know there's a point at which you know some people experience this like flow of energy this like once you sort of sharpen your ability and I, I definitely did notice that like each day you know there was a progression and I learned and developed and my mind was sharper and and had a greater capacity to do this work um and there were moments where I'd experienced this flow of energy that was very pleasant and they say but don't get attached to it right so you're like part of it is then interrupting it because sure enough like as soon as it starts feeling good you're like "Ooh, i want this to last for the rest of the session (laughs) and then it doesn't and then you're pissed off or you're upset or you're sad because you're trying to grasp onto this beautiful feeling man (laughs) like that describes every relationship i've ever been in Exactly. Oh man, yeah. Something about Vipassana that I wrote down here was to, it means to see things as they really are. Yeah. So the meaning of the word is looking into something with clarity and precision, seeing each component as distinct. So yeah. That's like, these are my eyes, these are my eyebrows, these are the things. So that makes sense of what you went through. So what were your like biggest takeaways after the 10 day? Um, they were, and so I'll just say one other thing about that, which is, um, you know, the seeing things as they are, like the, the sort of spoiler alert is, uh, the way things are is impermanent, like this too shall pass. And so that's, that's sort of the, the notion that's there throughout the whole course is like, you're not reacting because it's going to go away, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, it's impermanent. It's impermanent. This too is impermanent. This too. So that's really like what they mean by seeing things as they are is really getting through experience, not intellectually, the experience of sitting there and having tens of thousands of sensations, all of which arise and pass, arise and pass, arise and pass. Um, So what I took away from that... um, well, I did, I did integrate my body into, um, into my self more or myself into yeah. my body more. Um, and, um, 
I learned more about Buddhism than I did going into it. And also that like Buddhism isn't actually really a, a thing, right? Like Buddha was teaching what Buddha was teaching, which was Vipassana, which was this technique. And that's it. And then all these other traditions came up, right? And added stuff just like most, most things, right? Like Jesus know? wasn't a Christian. He was a Jew who was like breaking from that tradition and saying like, actually there's this other way. And then right. a bunch of other people came on and people get right? so like, attached to the dogma. Yeah. And it's really more about the technology, this technique for purifying the mind and seeing things as they are. Like that's what, that is literally all Buddha taught was Sila, Samadhi, and Panya. Yeah, right? what do you think Jesus was doing in the desert for 40 days? <laughs> exactly. You know, he's definitely right. doing Vipassana. Right, right. And it's <laughs> all, yeah, just all very similar, you know. So, um, so yeah, so I got, I got that. I, I mean, I realized also, um, you know, I was really confronted by some of the things, like having to suspend all of my things that I normally do to keep myself feeling phone reading working out eating not even that but just like the way that I talk to myself and mm. relate to things and this idea of you know I was really confronted around um uh just the idea of like it's just you and your willpower alone you know like that really conflicted with some of the ways that I've been seeing the world in terms of like community and connectedness and like you know, just like the universe and mystery and like perhaps there are, you know, like who knows, I'm not attached to any particular, I don't have words, but it was confronting to just be like, no, like you just got to do this by yourself. And you also don't really get to be a self during it. <laughs> so it's a paradox, a beautiful paradox. Yeah. Um, so that was intense, but I think it provoked some good additional thoughts um, and insights and um what else i mean i learned that i can do that yeah right <laughs> that was, now you can sit for two know, hours and I can, be good i can do that so for people listening at home maybe they have a practice or they've never started meditation and they want to what's like your recommendation how should they start a meditative practice i mean i think slow and simple you know and and having it be something that works for you yeah I, I came away feeling really confused for a couple of days like oh no this is like the one right way to do it because that's how it's presented right is like this is the way to enlightenment and everything else is kind of be it. like they're very careful about not trashing everything other traditions, else but they're very but it's kind of implied that like this is the way um and even that that would be an attachment to that way so it's almost kind of like counterintuitive but i get it yeah, yeah they're like, and they're like, is... hey, don't take our word for it. You just do it for yourself. But the thing about it that was challenging for me is they're like, do it yourself, and that means leaving and then practicing two hours a day. And there's actually no guarantee that you'll be enlightened in this lifetime. It might take you a hundred more. But just, you'll find that it benefits you. And I was kind of like, hmm. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm not sure that... I've got others. I want to be enlightened now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I have felt, you know, I, I was really struggling with that. And then I, I came back and I was like, okay, how, what I'm going to do with this is I'll, I'll take the tool to add to my existing practices, you know, as, as like one piece of a larger toolkit. Um, I'm not going to be doing Vipassana two hours a day. Um, I did the first couple of days I was you back. Did. I did. I'm not going to. Um, 
Others say they will. Um, we'll see. Um, but I think for people who are just getting started, you know, <laughs> there are really competing ideas and it sort of depends on what you're looking for. The whole idea with Vipassana is you're not actually doing it to feel better. And that was like something that was really new for me was I realized that my whole meditation practice has always been about trying to feel better. Feel better, de-stress, you know, yeah. calm down, be centered. That is not what Vipassana is about. <laughs> so um, it's, it's about not being attached and being a loyal companion to yourself in the journey no matter what is coming up. It's about total acceptance and balance and non-reactivity no matter what um, and really like peeling all of those layers back which which does yield um, discomfort and pain and there is um, there's stuff there that's like it's upsetting and it's unsettling and the goal is that or the idea is that by being with that without reacting you you free yourself up from reactivity and all other aspects of your life so I think, you know, if that's something that's appealing to folks, try it out. You know, there are meditations you can find online. Um, and I also think there's a lot to be said for, you know, guided meditations that do make you feel good. We live in a world right now that's like very challenging. Um, if you're if you're sort of conscious and awake to the suffering that's happening everywhere, it can be hard to just like, you know, it can be pretty heroic just to get out of bed and put your clothes on yeah. in the morning um, for folks who haven't totally numbed themselves, right? There's so much suffering in the world. And so I think um, I think there are a lot of ways to approach that. And it seems to me like Vipassana is kind of about like purifying your mind first so that you can then go out into the world and be this compassionate person. And I think the approach for me, you know, what I'm coming away with is like, what really works for me is, you know, being of service first and being compassionate and engaged in community first. And that, that's what fills me up. That's what actually feels like my path to liberation is like to be deeply engaged in the work of collective liberation. And that's part of my, you know, that creates situations that allow me to deepen my compassion for myself and my awareness um, right so i think if you know doing a practice like vipassana allows you to get deeper in contact with like your true nature and your true passion and you're like you know what i did this but you know this what feels good for aaron mm -hmm. i think being in alignment with yourself above everything else that's the way that everyone should you know live their life Totally. And, you know, I work well, like a lot of the clients I work with don't have a mindfulness practice coming in. What I what I do think is that everybody would benefit from having some sort of mindfulness practice. And that could be Vipassana or it could be, you know, whatever, meditating with insight timer or headspace or list or going for a walk in nature and just being really attentive to what's going on. Or, you know, any number of different ways, but the practice of being still with oneself and kind and gentle and slow um, and just paying attention, you know, paying attention to what's really happening um, and to the miracle that is like your one life that's happening right now in your body and all around you. On um, purpose. On purpose. You know, like that, the, this radical notion that that actually matters, right? To, 
to just be present for that, um, I think is, is radical and, and empowering and, um, and it's an adventure and it's something that you can do for five minutes a day. Um, and you know, at first it might seem like a chore and impossible. Uh, I know for me, the experience was originally feeling some resistance to it and then finding like, no, I actually want, I want to do this and I want to do it more because, um, it adds something, you know, it contributes to my ability to do all the other things I want to do in, in my life. That's awesome. Well, I know that you have some business to attend to, so I just want to thank you for being with us on the podcast today. Thank you for being our first guest, brother. Your words, I hope they reach far and wide and people get down on a mat tonight and, you know, practice their own meditation. Thank you for joining the Positive Majority Podcast for Sustaining Life on Earth. Thanks, Adriel.